We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 274 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and after taking in the sights of the Johan Cruyff Stadium a few days ago, it's Levan, a.k.a. Barcelev. And Levan, it was a slow news week, but we'll get into all the Barca stuff in a bit. But honestly, I'm still buzzing from the NBA draft last night. I know Emil and Frances are big basketball guys, and I do see quite a bit of crossover with our listeners. Are you going to give them something, or is basketball not your taste? I actually played basketball in high school when I lived in the States. But I was more like I followed basketball more then than now. When was last week or the week before? Time goes by so fast. I woke up way too early at four in the morning here in here in Barcelona. I was like, what what on earth am I doing up? And I was like, oh wait, game seven is on. So I I watched like the the last two quarters of uh, of the Bucks versus the Suns, and I was happy for. Uh, I'm not even. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, man. But uh, the 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 Greek Nigerian dude. Yep. Dude, uh, giant, who who won his uh, who won his ring, but the draft I did not follow. Sorry. Yeah, right. That's like the news before the news. That's I mean, to me, the draft is the same thing as me watching Barca B stuff. You know, it's it's about the future. It's about guys that could potentially make an impact a few years down the road. But to me, it, it on draft night, it always feels like the whole landscape. And same, actually, same thing with Barca preseason. When we watch Gabi play, we're like, oh, the whole future of Barcelona has changed. I mean, not really, but that's like the the exaggerations. But when I watch the NBA draft, same thing. It's like, oh, the fortunes of the Magic. They had, they had a great draft last night because they got Jalen Suggs to fall to them. And they had Franz Wagner. I was like, oh, you know, the Magic, their whole thing is different. But then next year, they're still going <laughs> to win 23 games or something because those are two rookies. And you can only expect so much out of certain rookies. And then same thing where the Pistons, yes, they got the number one draft, Cade Cunningham. But he's three years away from being a, an all-star, probably, you know, likely. You know, you do have generational talents like Luka Doncic who come out and they're 20 years old and they're doing things that are historic. But most guys take two, three years to develop in the NBA. Then they kind of break in as an all-star. And then like Zion Williamson, what we expect next year, where Zion Williamson was on the precipice last year. And now you're going to expect, hey, this guy's good enough. He has to make the playoffs. But of those rookies, they're on bad teams for a reason. So guys get drafted to bad teams and now they're bad teams. And to go back to Barcelona, it's a very similar thing where the reason we're seeing all these young players is because Barca have put themselves in a little bit of a financial mess. And now that's why you've got to have all these young players around the peripheral and, and making appearances. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited and buzzing about that, but we got to talk some Barcelona, don't we? 
Yeah, we, we do. We do. But related to this, um, it, it's very interesting how the draft keeps sports honest mm. because those weak, those weak teams get to uh, usually get the best picks on, unless they traded them away or unless they, uh, they choose uh, Bowie instead of Jordan. Uh, and then have to live with that for the rest of their lives. But another uh, effect of this is that in the United States, you don't see, you almost don't see anybody playing for their hometown team. And that's what is nice about uh, about European football, that um, you know clubs like Barcelona actually have players who come through our youth system, mm-hmm. so that when we go to the uh, when we go to the stadium, we not only root for our club, we root for us and. That adds like this this extra bit of passion, this extra bit of feeling of belonging to to a club, right? But when when it does happen in the NBA, though, like with LeBron James, where he gets drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers, then it makes when he leaves that much more painful, and then he returns the promised son returns and wins the NBA title in 2016. It just means triple amount more because he did it for his hometown club and hometown team, all these things. And I mean, it also does affect free agency. A lot of players are from Chicago. A lot of players are from LA. And what's always interesting in today's modern NBA is that Chicago, not many players, whether it's Anthony Davis or whoever it may be from Chicago, they very rarely do they go back to their hometown. Unlike, except with the exception of actually Derek Rose, who was drafted by number one overall by his hometown Chicago Bulls, unfortunately has those injuries. But then a lot of guys are from LA. So like Westbrook now being traded to the Lakers, technically that's his homecoming. Kawhi Leonard goes back to the Clippers as well as Paul George forces his way back to the hometown. And you're talking a lot about the coast and what's the difference between a coastal team and uh, having a super huge club. Like, you know, for Barcelona, don't they feel like they should be able to lay claim to all of these different talents in the Catalonia region? And then now you have Man City, though, with all of their scouts in there and Girona basically being able to try to pluck from that academy as well. Though the Girona Academy at the youth level hasn't really produced any top, top talents. Usually it's Espanol or Barcelona or even Dom is is more successful at producing top level talents than, than Girona. And actually, that's a question for you. I know we've completely started off on the wrong foot, but I do want to ask you that question, though, real quick. Is there a reason? Is it just the metropolitan reason why you think that there are young players from Dom and Espanol and Barca who are able to become first team or to become professionals at, you know, at any level, as opposed to Girona, which doesn't really, unless they're actually coming through all the way to the Girona first team, you don't really see a lot of youth academy products jumping from the Girona academy other places and succeeding at first team level. Um, talent pool, right? The metropolitan area of Barcelona is half of uh, Catalonia sure. population-wise. Um, and... Not, not just Catalonia. I think if ever there is uh, Catalan independence, Barcelona as a club is going to hurt a lot. Many socials won't care because they care more about independence than they care about their football club. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're right or wrong. I'm just stating a fact. But if, uh, if we cannot recruit in Spain, then uh, there is no Ansu Fati, there is no Andres Iniesta, and, and so on and so on. Right, right. Yeah, there's no, I mean, even, even the current generation, there's no one Miranda, there's no Gabi, who's a Real Batiste product. Yep, yep. Uh, all of these young players. Uh, the Nico only Gonzalez. One, yep, Nico Gonzalez from Deportivo La, La Coruña uh, area. Yep, for sure. All right, so let's move into the really exciting stuff. I hope people enjoyed our, our little preamble there. That tells you the kind of slow week that it was because I start by saying, I don't really want to waste time in the show. I'm going to bring it up because it was quote-unquote news. But there was, I'm not going to waste much time on Barca tweeting out and then deleting their credit rating, which great, they can borrow at less, uh, less than 3%, which is expected of any major, major, major 
company and organization. So it's not like the rating was very good. Again, I'm not a financial expert, but I do know enough about credit ratings to know that it's fine. It, again, there's no news there. That's the whole point. And I think they were just putting that out as some positive piece of news. And that's why it was then deleted because it didn't really help move the needle on anything. And then the other piece of not news, if you will, is the statement today that nothing has changed with the Super League except for UEFA. And we knew this, that UEFA was not going to be able to punish Juventus, Real Madrid, and Barcelona as one unit because you cannot you cannot punish those three teams all at the same time and expect to be able to make any bit of the amount of money that you expect in income in the coming season just because of those three fan bases and the number of people that support those in the Champions League. And then they, there's also no news in the fact that those three clubs are going to continue to try to work through some idea of the Super League. I think it's all the way back to square one, but we knew that these teams were going to hold fast on the financial rewards that they believe will come to the Super League. So again, no news there. I mean, almost no news. The fact that, you know, um, I don't know if it was a court or a judge that, that ruled that they cannot take any punitive measures against uh, against our club, um, that is always good news to me. Yeah. What, what I wonder is, you know, if the other uh, founding members have left us, whether it is really true that we can get money from them, whether they have to pay a penalty, which would be hilarious, but uh, even the hypo- uh, hypothetical possibility would be worth a whole podcast by itself. Right. Yeah, and I would, I would, we could tackle that when we get there, if they ever get there. Again, this is going out in the courts, so that's why you're talking about weeks and months between rulings coming down. What is coming a little more prevalent is tomorrow's preseason matchup against Stuttgart, or preseason friendly, if you will, against Stuttgart in Germany. So most of the team has gone to Germany. Sans Messi, who is in Ibiza with Luis Suarez, uh, his old friend, as well as Pedri being at the Olympics, and a few other players trickling in as well. But what do you expect, having been at the Johan Cruyff Stadium last week to see that preseason friendly, what do you expect to see now that you're going to be watching on a screen against Stuttgart? Um, I expect less, uh, less minutes for some of the young guys because we have more, uh, more first-teamers on the squad right now, right? Brathwaite um, came back. Help me out here. Who else is back? Orajo is back. Uh, we'll expect to see him as well as it would be the... Uh, well, I think Emerson's actually going to be presented on Monday. I, I don't think Emerson traveled. But yeah, so we are going to see a, a few more first-teamers. But I think you're right, too, that... Well, because the B team didn't really travel. So there's very few... With exception of Gabi and Balde and Demir, the ones that I've been mentioning, and Nico Gonzalez, no... And then Arnaud Kamas is the, the last B team member because then Pena and Callado have not been presented with the, the B team. They're being presented as first-teamers. So... Yeah, there's only with Comas might be the only B team that doesn't even make an appearance. I expect to see the rest do come off the bench in the same way. And I think my only question, we'll talk about the end of the show about the attacking thing. But yeah, with most of the players back now, there is a chance that Pedri gets rested and that Messi might pick up a little knock. And this is going to be a lineup. And yes, Aguero might not be around either, but he'll be coming off the bench. So you could see through, through Stuttgart, nine of the starting 11 that Barcelona is going to throw out there. So I am interested to see about the combinations that are put out and how players interact with one another, even more so than against Girona, where it did still feel like very, very pre-season-y with youth players meshed in with the first-teamers. Exactly. Um, I, I think especially that central defense pairing is going to be so important because you don't want Omtiti mm. uh, to, to start the season for us. Um, Basically, you don't want Umtiti to ever start for us again. Um, but that's who's missing, unfortunately. Eric Garcia and Mingueza are both still with Spain uh, at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So missing those two, 
it's got to be Araujo. That it's really, and then or Langley. It'll probably be Langley, PK, Langley. Yeah. and then Araujo coming in in the second half, potentially with Comas. That is then a death sentence to Umtiti, which we already know is a death sentence. They're trying to get rid of him. <laughs> but that would just mean that, hey, you're not even going to be, we're not even trying to shop you anymore in preseason to show you off. Like, they, someone just has to come and get you. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, all of the reports are how uh, uh, how fit Umtiti is and how well he is preparing. Uh, but you got to ask yourself whether the club is just feeding this to uh, to journalists to, to get the word out that, you know, hey, he is worth a little bit of money or he is worth at least considering whether you take take on his salary to, to other clubs. But yeah, I think, you know, realistically, we, we are looking at Piquet and another defender. I would hope that it is Araujo. Uh, of course, Araujo on the left uh, of that pairing, already like having the weakness of not playing uh, the ball out of defense very well. So you, you, might, you might want to try Araujo on, on the right and Piquet on the left. However... Are you going to start with that pair so soon after Raujo got back? We'll see. And then uh, on the right, of the defense is going to be test. On the left, uh, Alba is not back, is he? Yeah, Alba's around. Yep. Alba's he, around. Yep, he was go-karting, so he'll get, he'll get the start. Yep. Okay, so yeah, Alba on the left. If you love listening to us here on the Barcelona Podcast, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast, just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into this program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. The summer of soccer continues on Paramount+. Plus. Stream over 2,000 soccer matches a year from around the world. That's all the heart-pounding drama from CBS Sports, including UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Italy Serie A, Argentina Primera Division, the Brasileiro, NWSL, the Asian Football Confederation, and the CONCACAF Qualifiers, featuring the stars from the U.S. and Mexican men's national teams. Plus, much more. It's the best of the beautiful game, with all the beautiful names like Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Rapino, and Pulisic. Be part of the excitement as champions are crowned and history is made. The world's game lives here on Paramount+. Plus. Visit ParamountPlus.com to start your free trial and stream every match live. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Yeah, I mean, I I think I made the claim on Monday that at this juncture, with how difficult it is to even get off the guys that they're desperately trying to get off, with Langley's wages being considerably lower than the likes of Coutinho and Griezmann and Umtiti, Langley, I said it was, I think I said 88%. I think that's where I'm at. The The one caveat there is that just because Inglay is staying doesn't mean that he is a guaranteed starter. And I have to keep convincing myself of that, where that was the case. And it felt like that was the case last summer. But there were times we saw in the spring that when Kuman didn't trust Langley or when Langley was out of form, he didn't start. And so we know that Kuman is judging Langley based on his actual performance and not just shoehorning him in because he should be the starter over Araujo. And Araujo is also another year older, so he'll be 22 this year. And yes, I, I think Kuman has also mentioned that he would prefer to have a left-footed center back on the left and a right-footed center back. But Garcia is right-footed, Araujo, and they're opposite players, Araujo and Garcia. Really, they, I think those two complement each other so well. But Garcia is right-footed. Araujo is right-footed, Pique is right-footed, Mingetha is right-footed, and Langley, he is the only left-footed center back, but you can't really play Langley and Araujo together at all because they don't, they can't, you can't play the style. They can't play it out of the back. And as good as Inaki Pena is with Ter Stegen out, if he winds up being the back 
backup goalkeeper. The news this week is Neto will be another one who will be sent or to be sold. So with a penny in the back, the combination of Pena, Lele, and Araujo, that's, that's just not going to happen of working the ball out of the back. Again, Pena does well, but he's not even Ter Stegen level. Ter Stegen makes mistakes. He, he's not a top elite ball-playing goalkeeper. So I think that's the only combination he won't stay. But in the preseason friendly, it's against, again, a preseason friendly against Stuttgart. I, I mean, Lele, Araujo might be the experiment. So do you, I think that's the other thing we're going here. How much do you think Kuman is now going to be experimenting at this point? I mean, we've seen the 4-3-3. So do you think he's gone back on that three five two? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think he's going back to the to the four three three. Also, because uh, you know Kuman is going to play to keep his job, and there's a new president, and I think it was very clear that what Laporta is looking for is not not a three five two. Even though the idea that three five two is incompatible with positional play may or may not be true, depending on. Who you play in that three-five-two, right? For me, if you play Frankie, Frankie de Jong, in the middle of that back line, you're fine because that three-five-two becomes very, very attacking. Regardless, I think right now he's going to look for uh, for centre back pairings, uh, and I think he's going to uh, experiment pairings that make sense. So, like like you said, Longley and Araujo together does not make sense unless he wants to pair PK with Umtiti, in which case. Langley and Araujo are the two that are left and and play together in, in the second half or whatever. So we'll see. I think another very interesting thing is that, okay, Busquets is back. So you have Busquets and Frankie de Jong mm. in midfield. But the third midfield slot with Petri out for the Olympics and probably being, he'll probably be asked to take a couple of weeks off when he comes back. So that third spot is very much up for grabs. Uh, and it will be interesting to see what Kuman is thinking about there, because there, there are so many directions that, that he, could, he could go, despite uh, the, the lack of midfielders that we have. Not counting, of course, Gavi, who I'm very excited about, uh, and Nico Gonzalez. Right. Uh, Nico, if Busquets is right back in, I think Nico, for the first team, is only going to play the pivot, which, again, is a little odd because he's only been playing the pivot since the spring of last season, even though he played a little bit at youth, at youth level with the pivot, but usually he was an interior in the third division. So I, I think, again, he'll probably come in, what, the 60th minute, 70th minute for Busquets, potentially, if Busquets starts. And then, yeah, Dion will be one of the interiors. And then does Kuman go with the, I, I think, the player closest to Pedri, and that is technically Gabi. I mean, P, uh, Puj is much more comfortable just a little bit farther forward and playing a different role than what Pedri and Gabi and what that third interior next to Dion is asked to do. Uh, or... I, and I think that my big question, too, is I'm going to be looking at Memphis, of course. I'll be looking at Griezmann and their positioning. It was one of the things I looked at against Girona. And we'll be really trying to figure out how they use that space. And I thought Kayato did really well with them up top. And I know it, the idea of having three players who don't have a distinct position in the front three. So to say that Griezmann was a left winger is kind of a lie. I mean, he would pop up on the right side. He'd be underneath uh, Memphis at times. And that was very, very free-forming. And same thing with Memphis. He would drop deep at times to try to create. He would move over a bit to the right and then make that run in behind. Or he would make that straight run on the left. But Kayada was also cutting in to his left foot. Not even... I know Messi owns the right wing, but no, Kayada was doing his own thing, the thing he did for the B team, where he picks it up either at midfield. He was dropping in as an interior at times, moving out to the right wing to take up that position. So I'm interested to see where Kuman believes, if he believes that Kayada is going to be part of the first team, where he believes Kayada is going to fit best. Because if you do see 
and in a starting midfield trio of Kayado, De Jong, and Busquets. I think that answers a lot of questions about where he views Kayado, about where he uh, where he views Puj, the way and the role that he wants that third. And yes, it is Pedri is the role, but the way that that third interior is supposed to be conducting their business in midfield. So I think where Kayado and when we see Kayado, I think is going to answer a lot of questions for me as to some of the other players on the roster. From from the little we have seen this preseason, I, I almost think that you know Gavi with sixteen years old. <laughs> well, he's seventeen next month, which isn't crazy, seven, right? Now seventeen that, makes sense. <laughs> it's a first. Cha- that changes everything. Yeah. yeah uh, from the little we have seen, I, w- I would also I would almost say that uh, Gavi at seventeen might have a better shot at winning that place than than Collado, because Kuman has not played Collado in midfield yet. He has played Gavi there. Uh, there are a lot of reports saying that uh, Kuman is completely in love with the kid. Judging on what I saw against uh, Girona, uh, it's easy to understand why. I'm not mm-hmm. one of those guys who watches, uh, who watches youth games. I watch a couple of Barca B games uh, a, a season. Well, good so thing I, was, I'm, I am one of those guys. So good, good thing at least <laughs> half of us. <laughs> so, uh, but I was just so impressed with how... Uh, natural that game came to uh, uh, came to Gavi. I know that he did not play a full game, not even a full half, but still for for a 16 year old to uh, go onto the pitch with uh, Griezmann uh, with the pie uh, and just play as if he belongs. I remember that everybody was impressed when we saw Ricky push in preseason, but this went, this went beyond. And of course, we're only judging on uh, less than 45 minutes. Because I think the, the, the previous game against Nastic, he played well, but Nastic had, like, uh, did not have their hearts in it anymore. With just 10 men That's on the pitch. 10 men, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So um, it, it will be very interesting to see uh, if Gavi continues to get chances. Of course, I don't think it would be the best, the best thing for him. Right. Um, I think it would be good for Gavi to go to, go to Barca B. And train with the first team, and then lead Barca B to get to get that experience. Um, then Collado, at the the point of that three-man midfield, I don't see it. Uh, I prefer Puig there. Uh, um, or you know, this is an option that we've talked about uh, a couple of shows ago. Uh, I still like Griezmann AG, yeah. in that slot. Griezmann. The club is still trying to figure out behind the scenes, but every passing day, every passing week, as long as Coutinho and Pjanic and Umtiti, the, the more and more days go by, that, to me, raises the chances that Lingley and Griezmann are going to continue on at the club. There's no way they're getting rid of Griezmann and Lingley if they can't even move the, the unmovable objects, if you will, just, just based on the finances. But speaking of finances and speaking of young players, you know, if I'm Ilas Mariba and I already have kind of a foot out the door, and I'm looking, I'm saying, oh, Gabi's already coming from my spot, and Yukon Gonzalez is coming from my spot. And so I, I think it's not even about Elash, because this, I also think that because of the slow news cycle, if you will, and the lack of news coming out of exoduses from FC Barcelona's first team, I think there's more attention paid on this Elash story than there usually would be. This is kind of your run-of-the-mill contract negotiation that's not going well, and that happens a lot. I mean, over the course of Messi's career, there have been junctures where those contract negotiations haven't been looking good. And then, of course, he always resigns. He always comes back to the club. And that happens with a lot of players at a lot of different levels. And, and so it becomes a bigger referendum, I think, more than Elash about 
how Barca are handling young player contracts, particularly the highest paid earners like Ilash Moriba. And what also brings us to the forefront is Cadet A, Iker Bravo, who I had mentioned on that show with Navid, he was probably Barcelona's, we'll say, best forward who's under the age of 19 or 18, if you will, where he just... He was the, kind of the best player at, at 16 years old at that level. And apparently he wanted to go from the Kedat A to the Juvenil A. So instead, to get to be with U19s, he left for Bayer Leverkusen. And they just offered him a straight shot to the U19s. He didn't have to do the U18s at all. And potentially, that means that he might also have in his contract things about reaching the first team a little quicker. And for his career, I'm glad he went there instead of a Chelsea, like we saw other players have gone, at, or Man City, where I think if you're a young player, if you go to Man City or Chelsea over Barca... I mean, you're, you're just, it's the same problem. But for him to go and choose Lever, Bayer Leverkusen, their U19s, he gives himself a, bet, a much better opportunity to reach a first team a lot quicker than Barcelona. Totally understand that. Again, don't fault the player for looking to, to try to get what they want as quick as they can. And then financially. My problem with the Elash is their agent is this German agency, Rogan. You, you heard this story, Levan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So friend of the pot, Alice Tuika, was on top of this story. So agents are different with every client, but one of the only other quote-unquote big players that Rogan represents is Max Meyer, who a few years ago played for Schalke. That's where he got his notoriety. That's where he made his first Germany appearance with Schalke a few years ago. But he asked for a huge contract. Instead, Schalke goes, that's crazy. You're Max Meyer. You're not <laughs> Tony Cruz. And then he winds up at Crystal Palace on a free transfer a few years later. Going from a German international to a player now last year who can barely find a spot at Köln, who was in a relegation fight in the Bundesliga where he played 10 matches last season in the spring after basically being forced out of Palace. And so Rogan has a terrible reputation as being an agency that negotiates out the wazoo too much, too many talks, too much hardlining, uh, too much you know, arguing with, with these clubs, and the clubs kind of shut down. And so for Ides Moriba to choose the agent is puzzling from the beginning. His old agent was his dad, but it is puzzling. So he's not traveling to Germany with the first team. He had 18 appearances with the first team last year with one goal and three assists that he's trying to argue his credibility for, and it was reported by Diario that the player asked for a 3 million net salary per season, which is triple what he earns right now and more than players like Pedri and Araujo. So uh, the latest news is that Roman Planas and Matteo Alemani on Wednesday met with his agents. A fourth meeting is set, but they are still not close at all if reports are to be believed. Uh, his deal expires in June 2022, so I saw you mentioning that it's a weird spot for everybody to be in. Do you sell the player now? When, or I mean, can you really freeze out an 18-year-old player and just, I mean, you can, physically you can, you can freeze him out. That makes sense. But would he allow himself to be frozen out? I mean, that's, that wouldn't make any sense at all to be, to be frozen out for a year if you're an 18-year-old player. I think that's where the club then has leverage. Yeah, we should use that leverage. Uh, first of all, like everybody is quick to blame, to blame the agencies. And, you know, I, I do believe that one of the big advantage of sulfuric acid is you can put it in a barrel and hopefully, you know, dump those agents in that barrel. Uh, but having said that, the customer is king. True. So, you know, agencies don't own their players. The players are their clients. So the agents do whatever the player wants. It's not the other way around. Players don't do what the agents want. The agents do what the players want. So the, the, the root here is not that uh, you know that this agency is greedy, even though they are. Uh, the 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 root here is that Elias prioritizes money over most other things, probably, uh, because I do believe that you know I think we have discussed this before when we discussed uh, both uh, Elias and um, uh, Alejandro Balde um, two weeks ago. A more perfect setup 
in an elite team for Elex Mariva does not exist. Right. Like his profile is exactly what Kuman wants in the team and what we do not have. You know, here he he can be a local hero and as such uh, be forgiven for mistakes a bit more so than um, than new signings at the club. You know, because every 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 fan. Uh, if a youth player of that club plays hard for their club, uh, every fan is more patient with that than uh, than, than a signing. So it is it is it is very sad to see what he is doing. So I don't obviously it's not in the interest of the uh, of the club. I don't see how it is in his own interest. And um, Barcelona should use the leverage uh, absolutely and simply tell him, look, you know, you think you are worth three million euros a year? Great, go yeah. get them somewhere else. Yeah, I and mean. Bring us- and, and bring us thirty million. Yeah, and the only place I'm whoever wants back, to sign you. I, I don't know if legally I'm allowed to say this, but hey, it, it's my podcast. But a few years ago, again, I, I can not. I want to say a name, but a few years ago, when I, when I was going for, we'll say a bit more of the on-air broadcasting jobs. I have the job that I have now. People who follow me on the internet know that I do my work. I get my work in. But a lot of those jobs I've gotten on my own over the years through knowing people and just kind of working hard and reaching out, cold calling. But when uh, a few years ago, I did actually use an agency, an agency to try to help me get on-air positions, you know, not even union jobs. But it, so again, legally, it wasn't a union. I don't say anything like that. So yeah, I, I, I worked in the agency to try to get me some positions. And what they would do for me or what they would tell me on that side is now, obviously, ES Moriba knows the situation a little better than I did because I didn't know the other company that they were trying to put on my doorstep. But it took me uh, about six months they did throw some stuff at me that made a little bit of sense. And I worked two jobs that it was fine. They weren't great jobs, but they were jobs the agency found me. But they would then try to overpromise for what I was paying them to look for these positions for me. And they would wound up overpromising. And I think my concern is this agency, again, not to say that they're evil, they're doing for their client what they believe that they can do. So I don't think it, again, I don't think it's about a moral argument. It's that their job is to get as much money for their client and they have the confidence in themselves as an agency to say, we believe that we can get you triple your salary because look at your last negotiations when you were 16 years old. Barca wanted you desperately and they didn't let you go to Man City. So they gave you your first team debut now at 18. You've always been on Sufati level as far as what the club considers you as a prospect. Look at, uh, what is it? Was it The Guardian or was it, I think it was Gold.com. He was considered a top 10 prospect uh, under the age of 19 or 20 or whatever it was. So yeah, he's clearly wanted by other clubs around the world. And I think the agency, I would not be surprised if he winds up signing anyway for that three million or three year contract that Barcelona has set out. I think that this could be over next week and he's now a Barca player and we all then have to kind of forget this happened because that's what happens. It's all money. It's, it has nothing to do with us, the fans. So that's what I would just tell people that I, I went off on my thing about the, the racist stuff. Again, that's that's completely absurd. But even you and I, where it's like, I try my best and hedge my bets because I'm not going to disparage a player and their motives in negotiations when A, there's nothing in the news cycle and B, if he does wind up staying at the club, you know, it's just business as normal. It has nothing to do with me. It's it's a bunch of rich people arguing with other rich people. You know, <laughs> well, I'm just hosting a podcast thousands of miles away. So I mean, what do I care? You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I care because I host this. But if it's decided and he stays at the club and, you know, we'll say goodbye if we have to. But until then, I mean, he's, I assume he's going to be a Barcelona player and they're just negotiating. And I, if for anything, it's a lesson for me that in my personal life, I need to fight harder for the things I need to fight for. I need to fight for myself a little harder on on different jobs and stuff. 
Sure, possible. But I mean, uh, you're right that the agency uh, has the right to uh, try to get him as much money as possible. Uh, at, at the same time, he can tell the agency, hey, you know, I want did, you know that I, did you know that I, I already have a million euros on my bank account? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, on, on the other side, I was very disappointed in, in, in the club that they did not denounce all of the racist abuse that uh, Elex Mariba uh, mm-hmm. posted and shared on, on, I think, on Instagram. Yep. This is such an easy thing for the club to do, just to put out a statement that say, hey, you know, there's absolutely no place. Oh, they, they did do that. In, 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 in football, they I, did? I, oh, yeah, okay, they did. Yeah, they did. So what they did is they reposted the video, his video on Instagram, and then they condoned it with that. So they definitely could have done more. And that's my, always my argument that clubs and FIFA and UEFA, even more so than the clubs, they could always do more. But yeah, I, I think let's pivot away from Elash because I want to end the show by talking about what I, again, expect to see against Stuttgart is trying to figure out, and it's, hard, it's impossible to do without Messi and Aguero, but I'm trying to figure out who will be Barcelona's best front three. And as I said on Monday, that Griezmann would almost definitely be part of the squad. So, I mean, do you agree that wasn't premature to say that Griezmann's probably going to be around? And we have to figure out what that is. And I'm going to let you answer this. I just want to give you the setup here. Messi, Fati, Griezmann, Memphis, Aguero, Dembele, Brathwaite, Callado are all, all seven are in theory going to be along that front three line this year. I There's no way they'll keep all of them. You know, probably Brothwaite or Kayato will either be sold for Brothwaite, loaned for Kayato, something to that effect. And we don't know how healthy Fati is, so he is still a huge question mark. So now you're already down to four. or Right, and then Dembele still hurt too. So now you're already down to four in Memphis, Griezmann, Messi, and Aguero. But individually, I want to give you their goal totals and see if this helps you try to figure out the front three. No? You don't want them? <laughs> give it to me. No. No, because uh, I, I think it's more about compatibility sure. than, um, than just gold totals. I, I believe with all of our amazing forwards that we have, and did, you, did you name Brathwaite as yeah, part of those seven? as a seven, okay. yeah. Or eight, sorry, there's eight. Yep. Yeah. I missed MLA, yeah. Uh, out of those eight, if everybody is fit and playing to maximum potential, you have Messi as full, uh, at false nine, Ansu Fati on the left, um, make, making those runs and Debele on the right who when he plays the full potential conditions the opponent like almost no other player in the world so yeah sorry for the pie sorry for uh, Griezmann not so sorry for Aguero I'm sorry for us that we signed him however that's if they played to full potential we all know that uh, Ansu Fati um, has knee issues that he might not recover from uh, we also know that uh, Dembélé has both uh, injury issues and he is not as consistent as, as we would like. So we don't know if he really makes that next step so that we can see him play to his full potential uh, consistently. Which leaves us with Messi. And in my opinion, it would be Messi, Griezmann, uh, Depay. What would be interesting then is where you play them. I, I think that if you look at the whole team, uh, you still want Messi in the middle because putting Messi on the wing just leaves a huge door that is wide open for for the other team to attack us. Especially if so, Des is playing it right back and overlapping. Especially yeah, if that, in that case. Yeah, especially. But I think ev- even with Emerson. Right. Ev- even with Emerson, because Emerson also overlaps. Mm-hmm. And if, if you have Messi in the middle, then you put Griezmann on, on the right. But we all, we all know that Griezmann will go inside which means that for width, one of the right backs will automatically uh, overlap. So I would still put Messi in the middle, 
uh, in which case the pie goes uh, on the left and Griezmann on the right. So I, I do want to play a little game with you as I, as I go to answer this because you know me, it, it comes down to numbers of, or metrics or all that stuff. But of these five players, Fati, Aguero, Dembele, Brothwaite, Kayato. So again, that's Fati, Aguero, Dembele, Brothwaite, Kayato. Can you list their number of goals from most to least last season? Oh, no, I cannot. <laughs> um, wait. And Kayato's tough. He, gets I, an, he does get a little bit of an asterisk because he did do it in the third division. So it's a little different. Yeah, I know. Kayato has seven goals or more? He had eight. So he was actually... He had, he had eight. Yeah, he so he's eight. actually second on that list. He's, he's second. Is Fatih first? Fatih was last with only the five, which again, asterisk next to okay. that because he got hurt too. Wait, they, name me the five again. Yeah, so it's Dembele, it's Brothwaite, it's Kayato, it's Fatih and Aguero. Okay, Aguero at four. He's six. He had six. Six. Right, because he scored those two goals when he came back from injury in, the, in, in that one game. That <laughs> yeah, six. he got the, yeah. the, the yeah, two yeah, little, yeah, yeah <laughs> at the end. Dembele had more than 10. Yes, he had 11. Yes, right. Dembele had 11. Is Dembele on top there? Yes, with 11. <laughs> All with of 11. 11 gold. Dembele, yeah. of that five, was the most last year at 11. And then you have Kayato at eight, Brothwaite at seven, Aguero at six, Fati at five. Which is, it's, it's just incredible when you look at how, how difficult it is to project from year to year. So in a few weeks, I'll go through all my numbers and my projections of, I always did every year, we predict how many goals I think each guy will get, what we add up the totals to, why Barca would win the Liga based on goal numbers. But yeah, I mean, but even looking at the other ones, Messi at 38, which is incredible. We expect that number to be lower. And then Griezmann at 20 and Memphis at 22. Both of those numbers, because of the other one being in the club, I expect to go down as well. So I don't, how does Memphis get 22 again playing alongside Messi and Griezmann? Yes, Messi's assist might get him a little bit more, but then playing next to Griezmann and his availability is going to drop him down. And same thing with Griezmann. I don't know how he gets, I don't know, 22 is tough. If you get 20 from Griezmann, 22 from Memphis, and 38 from Messi, Barcelona's won La Liga. Have they not? Have they, if they do get even those three numbers, barring everybody else, all the other five that we mentioned, Barcelona. Okay, wait, wait, wait. 22 plus 38 is 60. Plus another 20 from Griezmann, that's 80. Yeah. Plus another 20 goals from... I mean, yeah, we can be very happy with that, of From course. everybody else, that's uh, what I'm saying. That goal number wins you La Liga most years. But we know think, last year, defense, the conceded, is what won you La Liga the last two years now. Right. How many goals did we have last year? Didn't we have over 100 goals? We had a crazy amount of goals last year. Scoring was not a problem. Right, because uh, De Young also gave you... Almost double digits as well, right? No, we had seven. Right, so seven, something around there. I think a bigger uh, obstacle for, for Memphis to, to reach that number is that he doesn't take penalties. Mm -hmm. See, he scored quite a bit of penalties for, for Lyon last year. It's true. Did he have um, any free? I think he had a free kick or two as well. And Yeah, and free kicks as well. Yeah. And he probably will have to share his minutes a lot more than, than he did at Lyon, where he was the captain. And almost almost played, but if um, on the other hand, if Depay is a regular starter for for Barcelona in that front three, with the dominance and the chances that get created by by Barcelona, he'll get to twenty. Yeah, of course he will, uh, because it's not it's not the same being Lyon and playing in Ligue 1, or be, being Barcelona and you know we we created more chances than almost any other team. Yeah, last season we did in all top five European leagues. Yeah, so twenty should be within reach. But I'm, 
like for me, a forward does not have to score 20 as long as the team scores goals and as long as the team sure. creates chances. We scored more goals than I think almost any other team except maybe one or two uh, teams in the, in, in the top five leagues last season. So I think only Bayern and maybe Paris Saint-Germain scored more. Yeah. But their leagues are easier than ours as well. So to me, it does not really matter that, you know, you have Messi who scores over 30 and then Dembele, although I think that he should have contributed more than 11. I don't think it's the end of the world that he didn't. Uh, or, or Griezmann, who did not score 20 league goals, for example. Sure. But I think we missed last summer and I, I'll repeat this uh, uh, or last season, I'll repeat this a million times if, if necessary, is Ansu Fati was injured. Yeah, it's not just you. That's the key. He is the key yeah. to next season. He's the key at how, as much as Messi and Griezmann in Memphis. So that's my answer. I think due to what we saw against Girona, I think you're going to see Memphis up the middle. I think you're going to see Griezmann on the left and you're going to see Messi on the right. I think it's what you will see. It's not even what I think that I want to see or my personal opinion, but due to Callado's spacing, I think that is what uh, Ronald Koeman is looking to do with those three yeah. being the starters. I think that is the idea because you just, nobody at this moment can trust where Fatih is in his recovery. And they're obviously Dembele is out for a while too. Nobody can trust his recovery either. And you're not, and you obviously do not surround, you do not create a team built on Aguero or Brothwaite or, or Callado. So I think that we will see Griezmann, Memphis and Messi in that order. But I completely agree with you too. And I, I don't think it's, it, it's almost now being oversaid and overdone, but Ansu Fati is certainly the key because if Ansu Fati is healthy, does any club in the world, can any club in the world match a front four of Fati, Messi, Griezmann, and whoever else I'm, what Messi or Memphis, whatever one I didn't say. I mean, can any club match those four if, if all four are at, even if Fati's at 89% and Memphis is at 80% and Griezmann is at 78%, that's, that's enough. For a front four. Okay. I mean, you mean a front four uh, that, you know, share the minutes. Correct. Right, right. And um, anybody might said. Right, right. Where one of them is the, right, with one of them is the fourth one rotating in. And then you also have Aguero and Dembele, of course, as, as variables. And, and, and Dembele, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Can, well, I mean, Bayern, Bayern Munich's front three, I, I, I like a lot. You know, th- those wingers are not star names. Nabri and, uh, and and Komen, but they, they play very well and they're very dangerous. And then as as, as the fourth person, they have uh, what's the name of the kid who came from City who went back to Germany? Uh, Leroy Sané. Uh, Sa- yeah, Sané. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's a good four. That's 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 a good four as well. PSG's four is yeah, PSG's four is pretty incredible too. Yeah, um, who, who do they have? They have Neymar and Mbappe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the <laughs> The, yeah, well, they, well, they have that, Di Maria. They have idiot. they have Sarabia. They have Di Maria. So, yeah, they, they've yeah, got they some have, talent. Yeah. They have that idiot who uh, who played for Barca and left for the Argentine guy with uh, with the girlfriend who uh, who always embarrasses everybody. <laughs> Mario uh, Mario Icardi. Yeah, Mario Icardi. <laughs> yeah, it's how you remember. You know, that's that, great. That, that, that's a pretty impressive front four as, front four as well. Who who does Pep have? Uh yeah, he's got. Uh, Tons of talent, too. So, yeah, we could continue to go through. Yes, it, it is likely. But I think the idea, and this is where we end it, is that I think the idea, because of Barcelona's financial struggles, because of the 8-2 against Bayern Munich that was over a year ago, because of PSG last year, there is an idea that Barca, I think, have done what AC Milan did or that Juventus did when they got punished, that they've fallen into the second tier 
that Barcelona's expectations this year should be alongside Dortmund or should be alongside, again, AC Milan, or it should be alongside even Arsenal and Manchester United until they get back to the top of the mountain. That there's this upper crust that's Man City and that's Bayern, that's PSG. And then you have that second tier. And actually, Real Madrid is still, because of their Champions League, has always put in that top tier no matter what. No matter how good they are, they're always put there. But I think there's a, an idea that I pick up from everybody else that, I mean, a lot of people were waiting. They were. They were waiting for Barcelona to struggle because their team was dominated by Barcelona 10 years ago. And people still <laughs> are holding that grudge. And I think a lot of, uh, not, not neutrals, but I think a lot of people were waiting for that failure. And so I think there is an anointing Barcelona that, of course, if when Barcelona crash out, it'll be all Messi's fault and they should have been in Tier 1. But if they finish in Tier 2, if you will, and are just a step below the big three or four teams in, in European football, everybody gets to say, I told you so. I mean, and, and that's obviously the bad faith argument that exists on the internet. But just looking at the talent on the roster, I did the same thing to myself last year. And you've seen our, our mutual friend Kevin Williams is doing the same thing. I'm looking at our roster and I'm saying that team can win the Liga. That team can win the Champions League. That team, maybe not all three, the Copa del Rey, it's a long season. And Pedri obviously is going to be tired. But I, I think that is a roster and a squad that can win all the trophies. And I talked myself into it last year. And I stand by what I said last year. And I'm going to stand by it again. They're, especially keeping Messi in tow with all the young talent that they have and bringing in Memphis and Garcia and all, all on freeze. I, I just think that their, their squad is good enough to win. Oh, I think we have, a, we have a very exciting group of players. I am very excited for the new season. Just like I was excited, for, I was excited last summer as well. I was not excited with Valverde <laughs> of course. and just seeing the, seeing the same group of players. Yeah. Um, I, I think the the unknown here, the X factor, is whether we can register more and what Laporta will have to do to make that possible. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if uh, La, like right now if we cannot get rid of anybody, which is what it seems like we cannot even give them away. He either needs to just fire them and wait for the lawsuits, and then possibly we have to pay even more that than we owe them two years from now. But at least firing them gets the gets the salary out of the way. That that is uh, what can really screw us. But I have never really seen us as the next Milan, in, in part because the way that our club makes money does right. not depend on Silvio Berlusconi. Yeah, so right. make it hand over foot, yep. Yeah, so for Milan, it was not that, hey, you know, they fell on hard times. No, their sugar daddy left. And sometimes when a woman is with a sugar daddy for... A very long time and that sugar daddy leaves then she doesn't know how to take care of herself we have never known how to take care of ourselves so we are exactly where we were 20 years ago mm-hmm. in barcelona yeah i mean i can't i can't um, i can't support your analogy but what, what i what i do know as far as us having this conversation ronald kuman has barely come up at all and i i think what that kind of says and i say this tongue-in-cheek but if the majority of the fan base is is complaining or or if we're all arguing about the minutes of Ricky Pouge, that means that the squad is in a good spot. That means that there is institutional trust in Ronald Koeman. And as much as I do want to kind of end the conversation by saying that Ronald Koeman is still going to be the one making decisions that will decide the season. So there will be moments in the season where whether it's formation, whether it's a lineup, there's going to be moments when the onus will be back on Ronald Koeman. And I think due to everything happening at the club and the players that need to be out, just like last year, we kind of give him a bit of a pass as to the squad that he ha- He can only work with the squad he has. And he had some requests, I mean requests, and he said, hey, can I have this and this and this? The club got him Eric Garcia. The club got him Memphis to buy. He missed out on his midfielder 
But by and large, he's gotten the players and the type of style that he wants to have. So now we get to see season two of his vision. And as I talked about when he was hired the very first time, it's always been a roller coaster for 20 years with him in charge. So will this roller coaster of Ronald Koeman now at the biggest club he's ever managed, will it keep going up? Or after last year, which I would consider what? Just, I mean, for, the, for those watching, I mean, just a little bit, right? It's just a little bit of a slant upward last year for his managerial career. It was a positive where he had had negatives like a Valencia. It could have gone that poorly. And so this year is going to become for Ronald Koeman. Will he make the decisions? Will he be, quote unquote, stubborn, as we've accused him of, for better or worse? Again, and will his stubbornness help him or will it hurt him? We know that's something that's part of his personality and some of his decision making. And I think at the end of the year, it comes down to who? Kuman and Messi. And that's what, I think that's who it comes down to, as always. As, as much as we try to talk ourselves through ES Mariba and the, everything else happening, it, does, it always comes down to the big stuff. So uh, final word to you, Levon, then we'll wrap it up. I think we can expect Kuman to be, to be brave. He'll play youth. And if the club is not successful, then Kuman will leave. Uh, I think that even if the club plays well, the team plays well, because I do think that last, last season we played well. I, I was happy. I, I turned on the TV before yeah. the game started, and I, and I was happy again, which had not happened for over two years. Over two years, I was barely excited to go to the stadium sometimes. Um, but on the Kuman, I was just happy to, to know that Barca played. Uh, oh, they're playing in an hour. Yeah, I'm getting excited. I'm already like, looking forward to, to watching them. Sometimes they play well, sometimes they play less well, but I was excited. Uh, I think that will continue. Uh, and if at the end of the season, there is no silverware, no important titles, then Laporta will choose another coach. If Kuman wins something important and the football is good, great. I think in the modern in the modern age, I mean the big clubs, it's sometimes even shorter. But I prefer to let a manager get three seasons just for sake of stability. I think it, a lot of young players, when they're 30, 35 years old, they always say that instability. When I was eighteen to twenty one years old in a managerial spot, can derail careers a lot quicker than finding than the hope of finding the right guy in that position. So yeah, I, I think that we found the right formula here to try to break down preseason. We'll keep on it as we're just, what, two weeks plus a few days away from the first match of the season in the Liga action. So not too much time to go. I've still got some surprises for you in the next two weeks. So look forward to those here on the Barcelona podcast. Again, thanks for listening to another edition of the show. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona pod. That's at Barcelona for him and our close Facebook group, the Barcelona podcast. You can ask some questions there occasionally. Um, I'll have a guest or two in the coming weeks that we will be answering some questions. So that'll be fun. And then Patreon is how you help us financially support the show. And we have these without the ads. I know we had a bunch of ads today in the middle of today's show. So there are no ads up on Patreon. You can watch it ad-free over there. A little incentive to support the show as well. And then we're on YouTube. Still trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the season. But hey, there's some fun stuff going on there. That's the Barcelona podcast. Most importantly, though, thanks for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Forza Barca. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 